Today, I want to talk about us being a generous community. Last week, we were looking at us being a praying community, and uh, this week, it's about us being a generous community. Now, I, I need to tell you that as I sat down to prepare this, God took me in a completely different direction from the one I was expecting. And uh, it's just, you just, I find when I prepare, I just feel, I, I can say no and, and dig in, or I can or I can actually say, no, let me go with the Spirit here and see where he takes us. And so that's what you've got. And I, I usually find it works better when you go with God rather than decide what you're going to do and stick to it. Um, but it's still about us being a generous community. When we talk about generosity, we usually think of money, don't we? How, how generous are you? And, and immediately you, you think, um, how much money's in my pocket? Uh, things like that. You know, if I said to everybody this morning, let's all be generous with what we have with us right now, I, you see people going, uh, I think my wallet's in the car. Hallelujah. <laughs> Things like that. Because um, we think about generosity in terms of finance. Well, it, it is that, but it's much, much bigger. Because generosity starts in our heart. It's a heart issue. When we were on holiday in Turkey in May, Jean and I, uh, we, we met a couple from York, and we actually, they came on the same flight as us, uh, got in the same hotel, shared a taxi with them. Interesting couple. Uh, she was very, very left-wing, um, very out-and-out staunch left-wing politics, really, uh, about sharing money and, and all of that sort of thing. And much of, much of what she said I, I agreed with, uh, but I just had to say, but the reason I, I couldn't go, I would go into politics tomorrow if I could make a difference, but you know what? I'd rather go with God and let Jesus change the world because only God changes the human heart, and that's what's wrong with society. It's, it's, it's not, you can, change all, you can change all the rules you like, but unless you change the human heart, humanity doesn't change. And only Jesus can change the human heart. Okay? We all need a heart transplant. So I felt God gave me this as I was preparing, just a slogan. Community is unity expressed. Division is independence expressed. Is it fitting on all right? Oh, that looks all right. Yeah, it was all a bit weird last week, apparently, but it seems to be all right. You can shout at me if it goes weird. Is that all right? Community is unity expressed. Division is independence expressed. Now, you might say, well, what's that got to do with generous, generous, generosity? I would say everything. Sin in humanity, sin in the human heart produces independence and it hinders generosity. It hinders sharing. It's like, I will live my life, thank you, and it's none of your business. How many have heard that? It's my destiny, my business, my career, what I want, my house, particularly in our Western culture. Sin produces an independent spirit. An independent spirit is not generous toward God. An independent spirit does not consider other people. An independent spirit is wrapped up in itself. It's about what I like, what's in it for me, and so on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know those adverts, usually for perfume or... And they'll say, go on, you're worth it. I hate those adverts. 
Go on, you deserve it. Make yourself smell funny. You deserve it. Just all sorts of odd things go off in my mind when I hear those. Like imagine if somebody filled the perfume bottle with some disgusting, disgusting smell. And you splash it on all over and then you can't get rid of it for three weeks. Wouldn't, wouldn't that... I just... Go on, you deserve it. Sorry, it's just how my mind works. It's, it's a bit sad maybe, but... Independence. An independent spirit will never create community in a local church. An independent spirit will always create division. You'll have groups here wanting this and groups here wanting that, and we want this and the next thing. But to be a community of God's people means we are to be a people who are generous toward one another, not judging or condemning one another, but serving, blessing, honoring one another. And we do that because we're united in Christ, and He is shaping and changing our heart and conforming us to the image of Jesus. That's the Christian life, isn't it? Our God is a generous God. That's where generosity starts. Our God's a generous God. If He wasn't a generous God, none of us would be here this morning. He loves to bless. He loves to share His life with us. He's generous with His grace. He so loved the world that he gave Jesus his son as a sacrifice for your sin and my sin. Isn't that generous? Yeah, okay. I, I sometimes think we're sanitized to truth. We kind of think, yeah, that's nice. The enormity of your sin and, and my sin. We kind of forget about it. But your sin, my sin, separates us from God and destroys civilization because we're independent. We're living for ourselves. We think we know best, and we need a Savior. And God, in His generosity, from His heart of love and compassion, so loved the world, so loved you, so loved me, so loved all of humanity that He sent His one and only Son. That's generous, isn't it? That's generosity personified. It's like, wow. Who else but God can love like that? I've got four verses that show us the generosity of God. Another word that means something very similar to the word generous is the word lavish. Do you like the word lavish? I, I, I've, I've done this before, and I've talked about lavish before. It, it's my sort of word. Let's talk about my treacle dumplings. When I was a boy, I'll tell the story again, because it makes me salivate when I tell you it. it. It's like my Auntie Mary used to make me these steamed suet dumplings and put it in a bowl and steam it and then turn the whole thing and plop it on my plate. And that was called a generous portion, and it was all mine. And then we got a tin of Lyle's golden syrup, no custard, and we were lavish and just kept pouring it and pouring it until it soaked through every part 
of the suet pudding. It's lavish, isn't it? And then I ate it all. You can, you, you can see the fruit of it. Now, I call that generous and lavish. Yeah? You know what happens now? You go out for a meal, perhaps you go to a restaurant, and they'll go, a trickle sponge. Oh, I'll have one of those. And you get this emaciated piece of cake that somebody got a bit of syrup and spread it on the top, and then they flood it in custard, and it's just rubbish. It's, a, it's an apology. You think, how, how dare they? call that food it, it's the other thing she used to do she used to make me jam roly-poly which was just the same mix full of jam rolled up and then smothered in more jam again and no custard hallelujah that's generous she was such a generous my auntie mary was so generous i was her little lamb i lived next door to her and she was generous she fed me well. I lived in there, really, rather than next door at my, my parents' house because that was just there. And my uncle was there who was into electronics, and that's where all that started. But, but it was the lavish nature. It's the best word I can describe what used to happen to the golden syrup. Do, do, you, do you ever have any golden syrup? Anybody got any golden syrup in the house? Pour it on a spoon. That's lavish, isn't it? Got the feel of it. You're all salivating now, I see. The word lavish and the word generous kind of go together, don't they? An abundance, more than you ought to have, more than you deserve. Here's some scriptures. 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Every time you read that now, you'll think of my golden syrup, won't you? How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God? And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is it didn't know him. I'm a child of God. He's lavished his love on you. He's lavished his love on me. Suck it up. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, what? That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Oh, there's, there's no small measure here, is there? It's not like, well, here's a little bit of grace for you today, Raj. That's all you're going to get. A bit of favor, but not much. You know, a, li a little bit. I'll, I'll do you a favor. No, no, that's not what God's like. He didn't come and do you a favor. He lavished grace. He lavishes love. He lavishes his life on you and on me and on the whole of humanity and said, this is limitless. The love of God to us is limitless. Wow. How, how, Ooh, I haven't got a trickle sponge when I get home. <coughs> Actually, I must be honest, I can't quite eat it the same as I used to. I, 
my digestive system doesn't, doesn't cope in the same way as it did when I was a lad. Titus 3, verses 3 to 7. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and desires. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of His mercy. (coughs) He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He made us brand new on the inside. Whom he, uh, renewed by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having hope of eternal life. Oh, just, it's limitless, isn't it? Why do we worship? Why do we praise him? Because his love is overwhelming, and it keeps coming and it keeps coming, and it keeps coming, and it keeps coming. And James 1 verse 5. This applies to us all. If any of you lacks wisdom, anybody lack wisdom? Goodness. What a wise bunch of people we have in the room. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given him. What a promise is that? God says, here's my lavish grace, here's my lavish love, here's my lavish wisdom to you, and you know what? I'm not even going to find fault in you. Because, you know, we think, oh, well, that wasn't very wise, was it? I should have done. Do you ever do that? Oh, well, I should have done. I wasn't very wise. Well, wherever you're at in your journey, and there'll be lots of should-have-dones, won't there? Wherever you're at in your journey, all you have to do is say, right now, God, I'm in a pickle, and there's lots of things I should have done, but I need some wisdom right now. And you know what? He says, here's my wisdom, and I'm not even finding fault. I'm not even telling you what you should have done. Just right now, here's my wisdom. Go from here, and let my wisdom guide you. He's lavish. He's generous, and he's generous without finding fault. I love that. One of my favorite verses, that James 1, James 1 verse 5. The thing I ask for most in my life, and most as a leader, is the wisdom of God. You can have all the other stuff. We can have healings and miracles and everything else, but you know what? We need wisdom above all things. If you get nothing else from this morning, my prayer is that we all come to understand in a new way that our God is a generous God. On the other side of that is we are called to be like him. Our God is generous, and we are called to be like him. God is not mean-spirited. God is not a reluctant savior. God is not a reluctant giver. God loves to bless. God loves to save. God loves to heal. God loves to rescue. God loves to restore. Whatever situation you're in, God wants to do you good. He wants to bless you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to heal you. That's our God. Hallelujah. 
And that's true. You can say that to your next door neighbor. You can say that to your work colleagues. This is our God. This is the God who made it all. And he is generous with his grace and his love and his mercy. Wow. Isn't it? I think that's good news. Our God's amazing. So I now get to my point. I've got three points. God is generous, are we? And then generosity applied, and then generosity enjoyed. So God is generous, are we? What's the opposite of generous? Tight, mean, stingy. I've I've got down here, the, the opposite of generous is mean. We talk about people being mean-spirited, people who are grudging in praise, grudging in encouraging others, people who resent giving their time, their talent, and their treasure. People will always see the negative rather than the good. Isn't it good that God's not like that? Imagine if you had to come before God and say, come on, God, we're trying to be so good, and he grudgingly goes, well, here's a little bit of grace just to keep you going. That's no life. God's not like that. Our God is generous all the time, even when we don't deserve his generosity. It's called grace. And it's his grace that will cause us to change. Because he calls us to be like him. He calls us to reflect his love, his grace, his mercy, his character, his generosity to our lost and dying world. And we think, God, I don't know how to do that. And he says in his word that he is changing us from glory to glory. And he does that by winning us with his love. Wow. He wins us with love. Does any of us need the grace of God to change us? Or are you perfect? Every thought you have is just spot on. Husbands and wives, as you communicate together, is it all bliss? You never get irritated. You just want to bless. It's not an issue. Is that where you are? Oh, there's a few funny faces over there. (laughs) All of us need the grace of God to change us. I do. I keep saying to God, please, will you win me some more? You've won me with your love, but will you win me some more that I may become more like you? You see, the Christianity is not a self-help faith. It's not like, I will become nicer. I will become better. I will become better. I'll become more loving. I'll become the best husband. Jean had that anyway. Sorry. Um, That's not Christian life, is it? If you try and do that, all you become very aware of is how much you get it wrong. Anybody aware how much they've tried and got it wrong? You tried in your own strength and you think, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is like New Year's resolutions, I'm going to be the best now. Two days later, you've blown it big time. We can't fix ourselves. That's why Jesus went to the cross. My prayer is, Lord, win me some more. 
change me some more that I may be more like Jesus. Here's, the, some, of, here's some of the way he does that. Because although we can't, it's not a self-help thing, we do have personal responsibility. In, in John uh, eight thirty one, Jesus says this, To the Jews who believed, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, to know the truth is not only learning what Jesus teaches in his word and what Jesus did on the cross. It's allowing that truth in the word of God to confront us. To confront our thinking. To confront our attitudes. To confront our behavior. And that's often painful, so we'd rather not read it. But in his grace and his love, he confronts us with stuff about what he's like and what we're like. And we don't measure up. And yet he invites us to face up to the truth about ourselves and how he can change us and set us free. And first off, I always say to people this, face up to the truth, because knowing the truth about yourself is the first step to freedom. Knowing the truth about your sin is the first step to freedom. If you think, well, I'm not too bad, so perhaps with a little bit of help I can change, you're finished. Because you're always worse than you thought you were. People swing in two ways. Either we see ourselves in a great light and think, well, I'm not too bad, or we beat ourselves up and say, well, I'm hopeless and I'm just a worm and I'm rubbish. Both of those extremes are wrong. The Bible says we're totally depraved. Everybody. Because we are sinners in our heart. We're sinners by nature. And therefore we need a heart transplant. We need someone to deal with, forgive our sin, and to deal with us on the inside. Only Jesus can deal with us on the inside. In James 1, verses 22 to 25, and I'm reading from the ESV, it says this. I love the book of James. It's a, it's a not the old book at times, but it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who goes into the perfect law, sorry, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see, the Word of God is like a mirror. Anybody looked in a mirror this morning? Wow. Uh, did you look in a mirror this morning, Raj? Or, or don't you bother? Not to get dressed. <laughs> Not to get dressed. No, I wasn't. Sorry, I wasn't going there, really. I. I, I he hasn't really. No, he didn't bother this morning. Um, We look in mirrors, don't we? We look to see, just before you go out the house, did, did some of you, particularly the ladies, just make sure everything's okay? Did you do that? Who did that? Yeah? Guys, any of you do that? Oh, one. Excellent. We're just as vain. It's just, you know, we don't admit it. 
So the Word of God is like a mirror. My question to you is this. Have you looked in the mirror lately? A few weeks' time, I'm going to teach us, uh, on a Sunday morning, I'm going to talk about us being a biblical community. But we have to look in the mirror. What do we see in the mirror? I look in here, and I see that I'm a child of God. I see I'm a new creation. I, I see I'm called to purpose. I, I'm see God, I see that God saved me, He's made me brand new, and He's given me a destiny and a hope in heaven. And, and I, I look at it, I see it. Oh, wow, that's who I am. That excites me. But I also look in there and I, I see how what I see and I am doesn't necessarily measure up to how I live. Do you, do you, ever, do you ever do that? I mean, I have in my mind a picture of myself in my young days. Wavy hair. Apparently, I look just like Alison, although that's not necessarily a blessing for her, really. Um, just similar. So, wavy hair, you know. Just married. Apparently, people said, oh, you're a good-looking guy. I, you know, didn't think that. But inside, right now, I'm still that guy. Till I look in the mirror. Oh. And it's a big disappointment. And you know what? It gets worse every day. It does. I'd like to think it was getting better, but... Hallelujah, I'm going to have a new, a new one. A new glorified body when Jesus comes again. And then watch out. Because... Are you with me? We, 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 we like to think we look good, but actually the Bible shows me who I am. This is my personhood. I'm a new creation, but it also shows me that I'm not fully saved. I'm being saved. I'm, I'm being changed from glory to glory, but there's stuff about me that's not there yet. There's stuff about my character, the stuff about my behavior, the stuff about my values that aren't there yet. Now, what I can do is not bother looking in the mirror at all and say, it's okay, I'm saved, who cares? God didn't save me to say, who cares? God saved me to make me what, I'm, what I see in here. But he wants to work it out. He wants me to learn to walk with him and be changed from glory to glory. And he does it by his grace. I love God's mirror. I love God's mirror. It shows us what the church is like. It shows us God's new community. But the word also shows us how God wants to shape us and change us and make us more like Jesus. So I ask the, the question, are we generous? Are we generous-spirited? Are we like God in our attitude? I can't answer that for you. We each need to answer for ourselves. And I don't ask the question to make us feel condemned, just to realize we're on a journey and there's still a way to go.
as you'll see in a moment. Generosity applied. Here's generosity applied, ties in with what I started the introduction, Romans eight, uh, 5 verse 8. But God demonstrated his own, sorry, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's, that's generosity applied. And according to what Jesus teach, teaches us on what's called the Sermon, to, Sermon on the Mount in Luke 6, Verses 27 to 37, Jesus tells us how to live as a generous people. Here's how to be generous. This, here's how to reflect my character to this lost and dying world. Let's scoot through a few bits. Love our enemies. Do good to those who hate us. Bless those who curse us. Pray for those who mistreat us. Turn the other cheek. Do good, sorry, do to others as you'd have them do to you. Lend to our enemies without expecting anything back. Give generously at every opportunity. Be rich in mercy. How are we doing? It's just it's like, whoa, where to go yet? You know, I, I, I don't... I don't say that to condemn. I say that to show us what's in the mirror. It's just saying, this is, this is how God wants us to be. This is who we are, children of God. This is how to live, children of God. Then it goes on to verse 35. It says, live like this, then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. This is the heart of God. This is the generosity of God. He's kind to the undeserving. He's been kind to you and I. He saved us. But he says, now, as my people, let me give you a heart transplant, give you my heart of compassion. Now, would you be kind to a lost and dying, ungrateful, wicked world? That's what he invites us to do. We go, oh, God, help us. And my, I go, God, please win me some more. Please change me some more. But what I've just read there is the Christian life. See, the Christian life is not so much about, it's all about worship. Well, it is about worship, but worship is more than just singing songs. It's living like that. It's about social action. Well, it is, but actually it's all about living like that because that's social action expressed. It's having hearts like his heart. And we need his grace for that. To have a generous spirit is to be quick to give God praise. Quick to give other people praise. I, I, I've got to say, I, you guys draw from me a sense of praise. I, I want to I say, well done. Because I sense something in my heart, the heart of God for you. I want to say to you, well done, Jubilee. Well done. You're doing okay. Yeah, there's some changes to make and there's some things to develop. But there's no condemnation in the heart of God. What's in the heart of God to Jubilee is, well done. Come on. There's further to go. There's more change. There's more grace coming. I'm going to bless you, but well done. 
the heart of God. But don't ignore what's in the mirror, but let his encouragement change us. Let his encouragement change us. He is quick to praise us. He wants us to be quick to praise him and others. To have a generous spirit. A generous spirit encourages other people. Someone who gladly gives of their time, their talent, their treasure to the purposes of God by blessing others. Do we need God's grace to change our hearts? Wow. I do. We need it all the time. A guy called Eddie Espinosa, who was with John Wimber in the 1980s. Anybody, anybody know who I'm talking about with John Wimber? Any, a few of you. John Wimber, was, he's dead now. He's a guy who ran in the 80s. He started the vineyard movement. And Eddie Espinosa was one of the early worship leaders with him. And he wrote this little song. I was looking for a recording of it, but believe it or not, in all the CDs we've got and tapes, we haven't got it. But it's this, change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. (sighs) What a great little prayer. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me, this is what I pray. God wants to conform us and make us like Jesus. And that's not onerous and that's not awful. It's a work of grace on the inside. It's from the inside out. It's not from the outside in. It's not like a list of behavioral laws that you must apply to your life. It's God, change my heart. Let me love what you love. Let me feel what you feel. Let me see as you see. Melt me. Make me brand new. And he does. He does. Then generosity enjoyed. Generosity flows from the heart. There's much blessing that comes to generous people. This is the good news. Psalm 37, 21. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Psalm 27, uh, sorry, 37, 25 to 20 and 26. I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Generosity brings blessing. Psalm 112, verse 5, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely. Now, there might be a bit of vested self-interest here, but you think, where's my wallet then? I, I, I want good to come to me. I, I, shouldn't, I should have a fiver, shouldn't I? That would be a good illustration. It's not right me being generous if I get out of Jean's handbag, though. <laughs> I could easily be generous with Jean's fiver this morning. But, but you get my heart. It's, it's like there is blessings come with generosity. Come to me, come to you. Proverbs 11.25, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Proverbs 22.9, a generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. 
If you want to know blessing, it comes from the heart of God. But generosity from in here, generosity of spirit from deep inside overflows to friends, to neighbors, to work colleagues, to the poor, the needy. To have a generous heart towards God and others is good for our soul. It brings the blessing of God to us. Anybody want the blessing of God? I'm greedy. It's okay to be greedy. It, it, you know, people say, oh, you can't be greedy. You know, the, the thing in Oliver, where the little boy's there with his bowl, please, sir, can I have some more? I, that's me and God, okay? I feel like I'm always going back. Please, sir, can I have some more? And you know what? God says, yeah, let me give you a bigger bowl. It's not like, oh, I don't know, you've had all... No, no, I need grace. You need grace. And you know what? You need more grace than you've already got. Because for us to become like Jesus requires lots of his grace working in our lives, changing us and molding us, but also learning to be obedient. Because obedience to the word, to what we see, a few steps of obedience steps us into the blessing of God and the purposes of God, and there's all the grace we need to do it. So it's not just sit back and wait for God to make me somebody I'm not. It's, it's a cooperation, as God says, feed the hungry. And you, have, you, you know you're not as generous as you should do, but you think, well, I'm going to be obedient. You take a step of obedience. And in that step of obedience comes great grace and great blessing and great provision. I've, I've told you before, to me, the feeding of the 5,000 is the best example I know of this. Where, where the disciples come, you know, five loaves and two fish and 5,000 people. That's, 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 that's nonsense, isn't it? little basket of food, five loaves, two fish, and 5,000 people. And Jesus has said to the disciples, you feed them. And they're going, yeah, right. And he blesses it. And he says, he, he, he said, now distribute it amongst them. He gives it to these 12 guys. And they, I, I always got Peter with his, his piece of bread. Can I, can I borrow your, your notebook? I won't damage it. He's there with his piece of bread. And he's got a row of 50 people. And he just sees them lined up, row after row of hungry people. And he's looking at this tiny piece of bread. And so he tears off, you know, here's a little piece. And there's a little bit for you. And he gets to the end of his first 50. I seem to get rid of this bread. So the next row, he's given it, well, let's have a little bit bigger. By the end, he's throwing it at them because he can't get rid of this bread. And at the end, there's five baskets of bread left over because that's the nature of how it works. You start giving what you have under the command of God. You take your steps of obedience. God prospers and prospers and blesses and blesses. And what you've got left is more than you started with. And everybody's been blessed. Do, do you see this Simple steps of obedience in the now. The things you can do, the things you know to do, are the steps into the grace of God coming to you in greater measure. Does that? We, we had our, our family meeting last Sunday evening and our prayer time. And, the, the, you know, it's good news about the church finances. They're, they're in a better place than they've ever been in Jubilee history. Praise God for that. Okay? We're debt-free. We have money in the bank. We're, doing, we're on target. Everything's good. That comes out of generous hearts. But what's that done? That's brought the blessing of God upon the church. And actually, many people have said, as they've been generous, they've seen God bless them more. Now, it's not just about finance. It's a principle 
that generosity is this adventure of faith where you start saying, God, this doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to do this because I believe that's what you're calling me to. And it brings favor and it brings grace. And so I think, oh, I'll do it some more and I'll do it some more. We keep running back to God and saying, God, you know, you remember the widow who gave everything she had to live on? Her, her little coin. And out of all the people who were giving at the temple, Jesus said, that lady, she understands. She understands that I'm a generous God who would never see her hungry, but she gives it all to me. The principles are all there in the mirror. They're all there in Scripture. To be one of those people who take God at his word. So it's not just sit back, change me, Lord. It's change me. I'm going to take this step because I want to be like you. Oh, he's changing me. You change me some more because I'm going to do it again. And will you change me some more because I'm going to do it again? And you look back after a while and think, how did I get here? This is the Christian life. It's this adventure with God of becoming more and more like Jesus. And the sad thing is for me, there's so many Christians who never, ever start taking the steps of obedience to God so they never find that there's such generosity in the heart of God for them. Such generosity and provision and blessing and gifting and anointing. You know, the 12 disciples that Jesus took changed the world. They weren't any different to you guys. There weren't super people who could, there were people who walked with Jesus, had fellowship with Jesus, and started saying, yes, Lord. And his grace was more than enough for them. And we're part of the fruit of that. Isn't it great? I I love it. Generosity enjoyed. As I say, it's not just about money, but it does apply to it. In our giving to the church, You know, my prayer is about our finances. Thank you, Lord. Now can we have double, please? And we want to pour out money from this place to the ends of the earth. Oh, you all jumped up and down. Oh, yeah, really? Nothing's impossible with God. God can do that. And then double it again, and then double it again. God can do that. Oh, it's a time of recession. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. I'm not saying it's easy. It's about personal, individual steps of obedience in God. Saying, I'm a child of God. I'm going to walk God's way. As I do, there's all the grace I need, all the work's done at the cross. He keeps giving me a heart transplant, and he's shaping it and molding it and making me brand new. We are called to be like him. And he says to us through the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, 11, You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. That's particularly talking about money, but it's a principle right across the board. You will be made rich in every way. Love, compassion, kindness, goodness, mercy. You'll be made rich in every way so that You can be a giver, a blessing. You can be a lavish person, so generous, so generous, and just like our God. My desire, and I believe God's desire, is that Jubilee be a generous church, pouring out the blessing of God on Teesside and out to the ends of the earth.
and it starts in my heart and in your heart. I just want to take a, a couple, two or three minutes in God's presence. If the worship band would come back, please. Um, but Ezekiel 36, 26, he says this. It's to the nation of Israel, but we'll take it to us. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will remove, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's progressive. It's developing, and I love being a part of it. Perhaps we can just stand together. Can we stand? Just stand in the presence of God. I, I don't want any music for a few minutes. I just want to stand up. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I pray the truth will burn in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, that you are generous to us. Your lavish grace is for every one of us this morning. Thank you, Lord. You're not condemning. You're not pointing fingers. You love to bless us. But Lord, would you help us become more and more like you? Would you shape us? Would you shape the church? Would you shape our hearts? Lord, we want to be this generous people. We want to be generous-spirited. We want to be generous, open hearts to a lost and dying world. We want to have generous, open hearts to one another. Lord, we need your grace. We need your mercy. Give us gifts of faith, I pray, to take steps of obedience into the things you're calling each of us to. Would you rest in us, Holy Spirit, right now?